for how the Lord wants to meet with all of us tonight. So let's welcome our pastor, Chris. I try to avoid those kind of entrances actually at all costs, but Adrian, you're amazing. Thank you guys. Um, excited to be with the people of God on a Sunday afternoon. You know, this is really special what we get to do being together. You know that? Jesus said where two or more are gathered that he actually likes to come and meet with us in a special way. I'm all about time alone with God and seeking the Lord on our one-on-one -on -one ways, but something different happens, come on, when we come together, you know that? And it's because you were meant to be a part of a body. You were meant to be a part of a family. Actually, more accurately, you are meant to be a part of his bride. And there's something that happens when we come together. See, when you're hanging out with God, doing one-on-one -on -one with God, you're really kind of in the space of like father-son or father-daughter, okay? But when you come together, do you know that you're coming into like a bridal encounter? The, the, the language in the scripture is God is a groom that is washing and redeeming his bride. And so when we come together here, we are, it feels different. I just want to tell you, because it is different. And that's why it's so critical that in these days, we continue to lean in and gather together because God shows up. When his bride comes together, he shows up for her in different ways. Okay, you with me? Uh, my name is Chris, man, and um, I'm just glad, I'm excited for what God's been doing in this season. It's great to see so many faces tonight and um, excited for the blueprint uh, finale. That's what this Sunday is. We're heading into Thanksgiving break. We're in week nine. So man, if you've been here plugging through, or if you've been watching some of the videos online, like we have been going deep, laying a foundation. How many of you guys know the start of every great building is the foundation, right? I mean, if, if anybody remember the leaning tower of Pisa, you know what I'm talking about? Okay. It goes real wrong if you get the bottom wrong, you know what I'm saying? And so I felt like as I was preparing for this, for this message today, the Lord said to me, then my spirit said, foundations bring stability, and stability brings safety, and safety brings freedom. Okay, when you have a solid foundation to build upon, you can build something stable upon it. And when something stable, a house exists, people can come in and out of that place and feel safe. And people can come in and out of that place and find freedom. And people can come in and out of that place and they can grow. And so we've been calling it the blueprint. And I want you to look at Ephesians 2 with me real quick, and then we're gonna just dive straight in to finish this thing up. But Ephesians 2, 13, and verse 17 through 22, check it out. It says, but now in Christ Jesus. Somebody say, in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, and that's everybody's testimony. So we're all celebrating right now, right? That we were far away from God, and we have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. Verse 17, he came and he preached peace to you who are far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and members, check it out, of the household of God. 
built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, stay with me, in whom the whole structure being joined, say it with me, together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being, say it with me, built together into a dwelling place for God. Okay, come on, come on. If we get this household of God thing right, if we catch this revelation, if we submit to God's word, if we allow ourselves to be built together, do you guys realize what we become? We become a holy temple on the earth. It literally says a dwelling place for God. How many of you want to be a part of that church? Okay, how many of you want to be a part of a church where you know that you're, even if you're the first one there, you're the second one there, okay, because God has been dwelling, right? God has always intended to dwell among his people. And Jesus, when we were far off by his blood, redeemed us, brought us back, and he is building something in us together called the house of God. It's his house because he's the one that's supposed to live there, right? So look, if you're looking for a church or you're going for a church, I don't care if it's here or somewhere else, just find a church that's actually a house where God's hanging out. Because if you're doing church and he's not there, then I don't think we're doing church, right? So, so look, look, this is why we've been doing this blueprint thing. Because we don't want, we don't need some fresh new 21st century version of church. We don't. We just need the blueprint of the word of God and we need to come under it and align with that, right? When, when, when the construction workers show up on a job site, they literally, they show up and they go to the page, they look at the blueprint and they build what is there. And so that's what we've been after here. And I'm excited. Proverbs 9, 1 says, wisdom has built her house. Come on, wisdom. She has hewn her seven pillars. So I want you to pull out this blue sheet of paper that's at your chair. Um, we don't have seven. We have eight. We threw a bonus one in there. But somebody encouraged me and told me that eight was the biblical number for like a new season. Okay, so we're in good company. But this for us is what we've been doing for the last couple months. All right, we have been... Uh, I don't, hewn, I don't know what that word means. I think it just means cutting out pillars, right, Pete? So we've been cutting out some pillars here for this house, and we have eight of them. And this is what we're called the blueprint. They're around the building here because this is kind of our final Sunday of cutting out these pillars. Now, pillars help us to hold up a structure. And so these are the things that as we've sought the word of God and as we've dug in as a team, I'm gonna go through them pretty quickly here. These are the eight pillars of the blueprint that we feel like the Lord has for this house in this season. The first one is grace. You cannot have a house of God without the grace of God. Come on, right? It is by grace we have been saved. This is the undeserved free gift of God. It is the grace of God that rescues us for salvation and then empowers us for sanctification, which this is a big theological word for becoming like God, becoming holy. 
I didn't say becoming a God. We got enough of that theology in the valley, all right? You with me? I said becoming like God, becoming holy as he's holy. That's why holiness is a part of the blueprint. We've been rescued from darkness to become set apart children of the light. When we give our lives to follow Jesus, it actually means we turn away. That word's just repentance. We practice repentance. It's an ongoing journey of turning our lives away from sin and darkness into the freedom of the children of the light. That's the resurrected life. It's what the grace of God bought for you, freedom. We do that through encounters with God. We have a passion to encounter God's presence because the Bible says that when, with unveiled face, when we have an encounter with God, that it actually transforms us from one degree of glory to the next. So holiness is not something that you roll up your sleeves and religion your way into, okay? Number one, it's an inside job because when you got saved, he put a Holy Spirit inside of you, okay? It's really hard to be holy if you don't have a Holy Spirit inside of you pushing you that direction. That's the gift of the gospel. Come on, man. Now, so, but it's not just an inside job from the Holy Spirit, but it's an outside job of the face of God. When we encounter God, it actually says he transforms us from one degree to the next. So we're passionate in this house about encountering him. We're not here to sing a few cute songs. We're here to set a table for the Lord so he'll come in and meet with us. And when we encounter him in his, in, in, those ways, he, something changes in us. And uh, I want to, faith, when you encounter God, you begin to experience him as he is, you be, be, begin to believe for big, impossible things, togetherness. All of this happens as we regularly gather to seek him together. The book of Acts, man, is not about one man. It's not even about two or three. It's about a community of people that were regularly gathering to seek God and see his kingdom move forward in their midst. That's why 2020 was so hard for us because we were never made to do the kingdom of God in isolation. And we see this all throughout the blueprint. Out of that place is empowerment. Man, this is about every single one of us having a gifting to walk in, to contribute. It's about obedience to God, submitting to his word continually. And then tonight, we're gonna land it here with generosity. And, and we're gonna see tonight a couple of things. I came to tell you two things this, this evening. Number one, you can read it here with me. I came to tell you that all of our resources are a gift from God. When we hold them loosely and invest them generously, we tap in to a supernatural economy where there is always enough. And I'm gonna show us tonight in the word of God how the second you got saved, you became richer than you've ever been in your entire life. And I do mean in every way. I mean richer in spirit and I mean richer in resource. We're gonna, I'm gonna show you tonight how that is true. But look, <clears throat> I came to tell you tonight that generosity in the financial component of surrender, it, we're gonna see it in the book of Acts. It is not a add-on if we want revival, we want signs and wonders, we wanna see God's kingdom come. It's not like, well, cool, we're gonna do that and then maybe we'll surrender our finances. We're gonna see in the book of Acts their surrender of their stuff and the miracles and signs that were happening in their midst was all a part, literally, of the same paragraph I'm gonna show you, all right? So let's pray because I know anytime you start talking about this stuff in church, you're already squeaming. I can see some of y'all, you're like, oh man, here's another pastor wearing a blazer talking about money. 
look, I wore my blazer because it's a big day for our team, okay? We've been at this blueprint for a few months and we're, we're celebrating. And Morley, great minds, man. Morley wore, wore his blazer tonight too. But look, I want us to pray and invite God and invite him to instruct us. I promise you all I am doing tonight is reading a bunch of scripture and asking us to obey God. Holy Spirit, we say, come and have your way. We love you, and we want your kingdom to come on this earth. Jesus, we say thank you that you paid it all for us, and that through your poverty, we became incredibly rich in every way you've enriched us, Lord. We thank you, God the Father, that you own the cattle on a thousand hills, that the earth belongs to you in the fullness thereof, God. You say that those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Our God is the father of the universe, and he has every good thing and provides every good thing for his house on the earth, Lord. I pray right now that every place of wounding that we've experienced financially with religion and money, I pray, God, that there would be a grace over this room for us to have fresh ears to hear what your word says. In Jesus' name, everybody said. So when I graduated from college, my dad gave me a really cool gift. He, he opened a brokerage account, account for me. And there were five hot stocks in that account that together totaled about $5,000. Okay. And so over the years, Arlena and I got married and at early in our marriage, we were trying to steward our finances and tithe to the local church and be generous as God was moving our hearts. We would sponsor a couple of third world country kids through Compassion International. We just, we wanted to honor God with our money. But we had this little stock account, about 5,000 bucks, and over the years, it doubled pretty much. It was worth about $10,000. And we were kind of looking at this thing like, this is going to be our nest egg. Like one day, this, you know, we'll have some kids, and we'll, we'll build a house, and this will kind of be like our nest egg, you know? Then one day, I was, I was having coffee with a friend who him and his wife had been working tirelessly to establish the first ever classical Christian school in the town that we were living in, okay? They had spent two or three years just pouring their lives into this school, right? And they were actually on the verge of bankruptcy. And as he is speaking to me, the Holy Spirit inside of me begins to stir. And before long, I couldn't even hear what he was saying anymore because all I could focus on was the spirit of God inside of me was nudging me to give our $10,000 nest egg to this school on the verge of bankruptcy. Now, I said nothing at the moment to my friend because I'm married and I'm smarter than that, okay? And when you're one flesh, you do not make financial decisions without talking to your wife first. That's a freebie, husbands, okay? So I go home. I go home and I wait for the right opportunity to share with Arlena, who loves God and wants nothing more to obey God. So she actually received the news very well and agreed that she would pray about it. And it wasn't long before we both separately of one another sensed the Lord asking us the same question. Pay attention, check this out. The Lord was asking us both this question. What if you invested in my dreams first and trusted me to provide for your dreams later on? 
I'll tell you what we did later on. First, I gotta get you into the word of God, okay? So <laughs> Acts chapter four, okay? Flip there in your Bible, open your device or whatever, Acts four. I'm literally just reading through the end of Acts four and the beginning of Acts five, and I want us to see how financial surrender was at the heart of a church in revival. Check it out. The full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. No one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. With great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And look at this, great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold, and they laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Chapter five. But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds, and he brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has, check out the language here, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it, check this out. Why is it that you've contrived this deed, a little bit of what was actually going on behind the scenes in his heart? You've not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Okay, some of you know what happens next. His wife comes in. She has no idea what's just happened to her husband. She tells the same story, the same contrived conspiracy of kind of trying to deceive the church for how much they had sold this thing. And same thing happens to her. But here's the point. Verse 11, chapter five. I'm literally just reading straight through here. Great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Please don't miss it, this is literally the next verse. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, guys, more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits. Guys, check it out. Read it with me. And they were all healed. Okay, what I want us to say, I literally just read Acts 4.32 through 5.16, okay? And in the middle, I realized there's this strange and morbid story in the middle, okay, about this couple dropping dead because they, it, actually, in Sapphira's account, it says they put the Lord to the test. But here's what I want us to see. 
There was grace on this early church. There was generosity happening in this early church. There was the fear of God happening in this early church. And the fruit of what was happening in this early church was signs and wonders and healing and crazy kind of revival where they're literally bringing people from surrounding cities. So again, who wants to be a part of a church like that where God is moving and doing wild things? Maybe you don't, but I didn't sign up to bring a part of a church where we show up and we leave and nobody ever gets saved, nobody ever gets healed, nobody ever gets more free, nobody ever gets their lives changed. I just don't wanna do that. I did that for a few years. It's super boring. It's why most people stop going to church because they're going somewhere that's not a household of God where he actually dwells and people meet him and things change. But what I want us to see, church, is in smack dab in the middle of this early church and crazy revival was a people who were completely surrendered in their personal possessions and finances. It was not two different issues. And I believe there are a couple of different reasons why this was very natural for this early church to behave in this way. Number one, they grew up, most of them, in a Jewish tradition. And the Jewish tradition was steeped with this community understanding that number one, everything we have is from God's and everything we have, we bring and we contribute to one another. It was very easy for them to leave the, live this way. And number two, I still think they were so blown away by the generosity of God's grace that they had just seen poured. I mean, these guys were living in the early days of the resurrection of Jesus, right? The, okay. I realize that we've all lived with the gospel our whole lives, right? And so maybe the grace of God is like not that exciting to us. But these guys lived under the Moses, the Mosaic law, right? These guys lived under a religious system of striving and sacrifice and never quite good enough. And no, we got to go back and kill another dove or something, right? They lived in this place and then boom, the son of God brings grace onto the scene, they see him resurrected from the dead. He pours out his Holy Spirit and this whole new way of life just erupts for them. The grace of God. I think they were still so actually gripped by God's generosity that selling all their stuff to take care of the community was like not, I don't think that their pastors had to preach on this. You know what I'm saying? I think they were so gripped. But look, I want to give you tonight a biblical overview of treasure, tithing, and generosity. And I'm calling it treasure because when you talk about money at church, everybody starts squirming, okay? So we're not talking about money tonight, okay? Because the Bible actually uses the word treasure way more. And, and it, how do you know? Jesus actually talked about treasure and money more than faith and prayer combined, 11 of his 40 parables used finances to communicate a spiritual truth. Plus, the word treasure, man, it's quiet in this church, you guys, come on. The word treasure actually gets way closer to Jesus' intention of why he taught about this so much. It has nothing to do with your resources and everything to do with the treasure of your heart. And if you have not come to taste and see that he is good, and if you have not come to actually treasure Jesus above everything else, then it will be far too easy for you to actually treasure your treasure and find, check this out, find your trust, 
your security, and your enjoyment, and your treasure, which is just another way of saying worship. We worship what we trust, find security in, and enjoy. That's why the Bible says you cannot serve God and money because the things that money offers us, trust, security, enjoyment, are actually supposed to be found first and foremost in him. So the love, I spent this week diving in treasure, tithing, and what was the last one? Generosity, okay? And, and I, I literally, I'm, I just want to show you some things scripturally and invite us to obey the word of God. I, I want you to know, before I dive further into this, how we steward our treasure is not a matter of opinion. It is not a matter of your preference. It is not a matter of interpretation. And, and some of y'all aren't gonna like this. It is very simply a matter of obedience, Okay, it's obedience. Let me just remind us where we are, okay? We have a good father, okay? Come on, bring it back in. We have a good father who has adopted us into his family, right? That father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Guys, listen, and he provides literally every single thing that sustains us in our life. From the breath that you are currently breathing into your lungs to the spark in your heart that is keeping you alive at this moment. From the grain, the crops that grow out of the earth to the manna that fell from the sky, it was all from him, okay? From the invisible paycheck that hits your account every month to the envelope of cash that showed up on your doorstep, okay? God provides all things. And what I want us to see is how contributions from the people in a covenant community contributions from the people have been used throughout Judeo-Christian history to do three things. I want you to look at this slide. Some of y'all are gonna love this slide. It's gonna bring so much clarity to you. Some of you guys are gonna hate this slide and squirm a little bit more, okay? But listen, biblically, I'm telling you, I read every verse in the Bible on generosity, treasure, and tithing. Go do it. Don't take my word for it, but you will find that throughout biblical history, the contributions of the community were used to do three things, build the buildings, support the servants, and provide for the people. Hey, that's pretty good preacher, and now a little alliteration right there, Swayze, okay? I was proud of that one, right? But look, build the buildings from the tabernacle in the wilderness to the temple in the promised land, and yes, to the ecclesia and the new church, which was the gathering of the people. The contributions of the saints were, were used to build what we're gonna see, a tent of meeting, a gathering place for people to connect with God. Number two, they were used to support the servants of that tent of meeting, okay? From the Levitical priesthood in the Old Testament to the New Testament apostles, church leaders, and preachers. The contributions of the people were used to support the servants that were working around this place of communion with God. And then third, to provide for the people, specifically the needy, from the saints inside the house of God to the orphans, the poor, and the outcasts outside of the house of God. Those are the three primary ways that the covenant community would all contribute and then the church would build the things, support the servants, and provide for 
the people. So I want you to flip to Exodus 35, and I want you to see something really, really cool. We're going to go real quick from the wilderness and the building of the tabernacle when they were floating around in the desert to the promised land and where tithing was originally introduced was actually in the promised land, not in the wilderness. And I just want to show you a couple of really cool things. And again, I'm reading the word of God and I'm going to invite us to obey it. Because if we want to be a house in revival where God dwells and like 15% of us are contributing financially, that's not a real number. Sorry, I made that up. Okay. I'm sure way more of y'all, it's really quiet in here. Maybe not. Okay. Well, listen, listen, I just want to take it. So Exodus 35. Now look, after the Lord rescued the Israelites from slavery, y'all remember that story? This great Exodus. Okay. It's very cool. It's actually foreshadowing our salvation. He gave instructions to Moses in the wilderness to build a mobile temple called a tabernacle. This man-made structure would become a temporary dwelling place for God's spirit. So again, look, the dwelling place of God has always been supposed to have been right in the middle of the camp. So he calls them together and he says to the congregation in verse four, this is the thing that the Lord has suggested. Oh, wait, sorry, that's not what it says. This is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a generous heart, say it with me, let him bring who? The Lord's contribution. Guys, this was so normal to them. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, scarlet yarns, fine twined linen, goat's hair, that's weird, tanned ram skin, goat skins, acacia wood. Okay, bring it all in, right? And then go to verse 20 here. Then all the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses and they came. Look at everyone who what? Heart was stirred, and everyone whose spirit moved him, they brought the Lord's contribution. Oh, please don't miss, please don't miss this. To be used for the tent of meeting, a place of meeting with God, communing with God, getting to know God, encountering the face of God, and for all of its service and for the holy garments. So they came, both men and women, all who were of willing heart brought, what's that word, ladies? Brooches. Thank you. And earrings. I was so afraid of mispronouncing that. Uh, and signet rings and armlets, all sorts of gold objects. Please, please check out this last little phrase. Every man, most of them, most, no, sorry. Every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord, I want to ask you this question. Oh, this is so fun. Where did they get all this stuff? Because if you don't know Bible history or where we're at in the Bible, okay, these guys just came out of 400 years of slavery in Egypt. Since being miraculously delivered by God, all they had done is wander around in the desert for a little while, okay? They had no economy. They had no resources. They were in a desert. So where did this people get all of this stuff? Does anybody know? Right before the Passover, when God delivered them from their bondage, Moses told the people, go to the Egyptians. Oh, this is so good. Come on. Go to the Egyptians and ask them for gold, silver, and clothing. The Bible says that God showed them favor and the Egyptians all consented and they gave all of these people before 
the Passover and the Exodus, their gold, their silver, and their clothing, okay? The blood of the lamb gets applied to the doorpost. The 10th plague hits Egypt. They can't wait to kick the Israelites out now. And so now they kick them out. And the Bible says this miraculous deliverance happens and the Israelites plundered Egypt. Do you know that the second you get saved, you are richer than you have ever been in your life? Their place of bondage became a place of prosperity, and they were sent out in the wilderness richer than they had ever been. But look at the willingness for them to bring the Lord's contribution. Are you with me? These people had nothing then they witnessed God making them richer than they had ever been in a second. So when Moses said, hey, go get me some gold for the tabernacle, they're like, all right. None of that was mine anyways, right? They were so closely related to God's generosity that when they were asked to contribute something, they didn't think twice about it. So then they get into the promised land, okay, where again, they inherit an entire agricultural economy that they didn't work for. They literally inherit fields, vineyards, all kinds of stuff, right? And Psalm 24 says the earth is the Lord's in its fullness, okay? So they then step into a promised land and they inherit an economy of God's provision. And it's just coming up out of the earth, y'all. Coming up out of the earth. In Leviticus 27, 30, check it out. Every, this is the first reference of the word tithe in the Bible, Leviticus, okay? Because I want you to see this. It's the tithe of the land. Tithe just means a tenth, okay? They didn't tithe in the wilderness because they didn't have any crops. God enriched them right out of the gate with all the gold and stuff. But then they get into the promised land. The land is producing, and they say every tenth of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, read it with me, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Every tenth of the land, whether seed or fruit or animal from the herds or flocks, is the Lord's. Did you notice that he wasn't asking for it back? Sorry. Hey, church, did you notice that he wasn't asking for it back? He was telling them it was his. It all came from him. Please do not miss this. It all came from him. Literally, they knew this because they watched it grow out of the dirt. And after giving them 90% of it, he said he was claiming the 10th as his own to keep. Who wants to get blessed? I need somebody that is encouraging, that is encountering a current financial hardship of any time, small or large. I'm serious. First person, raise your hand. I want to get blessed. Come on, Alexandra. This is my friend from Texas. Come on, girl. You better come on, go through the black curtain over there and walk up these stages. I want, to, I want to show you something that I hope will forever flip the way that you think about this whole tenth thing, this whole tithing thing in context. This is my friend from Texas. I'm so glad y'all are here. I'm so glad you raised your hand. Come on. 
Raul, Raul, dude, you're, you're such a brother and a lucky man. This is a woman of God. And a woman, I'm so, I'm so pumped you're here. They're visiting their family right here that lives here in Utah. So glad y'all are here. Okay, check this out. Alexandria, yes. I want y'all to just pretend for a minute that, that I am God. Okay, just go with me, okay? <laughs> I am not, okay? So, in case there was any confusion. No, and, and that all the resources and all of the earth belong to me, okay? And that right now, for, for the resources that we currently have are represented by these 10 $1 bills in my hand. Okay, I wish they were tens or more, but here we go. We got 10 ones, okay? So everything is mine. I am the Lord. Everything comes from me. And because you are my chosen covenant daughter, and I chose you to come near, remember that verse, into relationship with me, and you're part of my covenant family, I am giving 90% of everything that is mine to you. I am giving you the vast majority of it, and I am asking that I can claim this tenth as my own. Are you cool with that? Yeah. Okay, great. Be blessed. Go sit down. Okay. Okay, great. Be blessed. Okay? The tithe was the Lord's, the tenth, right? It was holy to the Lord. And so after giving us the rest of it, he said, I'm going to hold on to this 10%, and here's what I'm going to do with it. Numbers 18, 21 through 24. Check it out. This is what he chose to do with the tenth that he hold on, held on to. To the Levites, I've given every tithe in Israel for an inheritance in return for their what? Service that they do. Their service where? In the tent of meeting, which is about what? encountering God, right? This whole economy is supposed to support an encounter with God so that the people of Israel do not come near the tent of meaning. Look at this. Go down to verse 24. The tithe of the people of Israel, which they present as a contribution to the Lord, I have given to the Levites for an inheritance. Therefore, I have said of them that they shall have no inheritance of land among the people. Check this out. Twelve tribes of Israel, when they got into the promised land, the land was divided up and it was given in portion to all the different tribes except the Levites, because the Levites didn't have time to work the land and to be a part of the agricultural economy because they were serving in the tent of meeting around the clock. They were serving in the temple. They were sustaining the life of the community through the sacrifices and worship. They didn't have time to work the land. And so a tenth of all the other tribes would be brought into the Lord's storehouses and the Levites and their families, which was a huge tribe and massive amounts of children and people, would live off of that tenth that was the Lord's. I told you, it built the buildings and it supported the servants of the tent of meeting. This was so normal for them. This is why when the church erupted, people were selling their stuff left and right because they grew up in this context of everybody contributes. Are you with me? So I want you to know our conviction as a church, this applies to us. So it goes on to talk about how the Levites tithe from the tithe. So I want you to know, I get my paycheck from this church and 10% of my paycheck goes straight back to this church. 
Because the word of God says the Levites tithe off the tithe. And our conviction as a church staff is that 10% of everything that comes into this house goes straight back out the door. And we're tithing off of all the tithes we get here because we believe the word of God, we trust him with our resources, and he can do more with our 90% than we could ever do trying to cling on onto the rest. So we send 10% straight out the door. And when I got here, I said, hey, if we been tithing this year. And because we've been in transition as a church, we hadn't been tithing this year as a church. And so how cool is this, guys? So now we're going to back tithe for the entire year of 2021 as a community, which means that in the next few weeks, me and Joe are going to get to write a bunch of checks to the sum of about $25,000. And we're going to tithe off of everything that's come into this house this year. Because we fear the Lord, we believe in his economy, and we want to obey the promises of generosity and obedience. And so here's what I want to say. This is fun, okay? We're going to do some of it right now, okay? Because there's a few different priorities on God's heart. One of them is the nations of the earth. The other is the nation we live in right here in this local community that God's planted us. And so that 10%, we're going to try to distribute pretty evenly between the nations of the earth and then investing and caring for our city here in Salt Lake. Okay, so what I want you guys to know is that off of your tithing in this house, we have completed the house's one-time support raising, okay? So about $5,000 to get the houses. Y'all stand up real quick. Okay, Masiels, y'all stand up. Y'all didn't know I was doing this, okay? Y'all stand up. They didn't know this was happening. Where's Ben? Is Ben big? Oh, Ben, stand up, bro. Big crap. Okay, look, I want you to see something. I want you to see something. Look, look. In this house, part of this family, okay? Mexico, Middle East, right here, okay? Check it out. The nations of the earth. These guys are going to a YWAM camp in Mexico, this, the first part of 2022, and we're kickstarting your fundraising. We are covering $5,000 for you guys to go to be, they have a calling on their lives back to Mexico. And we're going to be a part of them being trained and equipped. We are seeding the dream of God and the calling of God on your life from this house. Okay? We took care of the rest of your one-time support. Y'all already knew about that house as we love y'all. Ben, we're sending 2,500. $2, that's the right, right? Not 1,000. 2,500 to seed your calling, the call of God on your life to the Middle East. Okay? So collectively, you guys can sit down. We love you. About that's that's over ten thousand from this house that we're, sh we're we're pushing right back out to the nations, and then we're gonna we're gonna take the rest and figure out who are some organizations here in Salt Lake that can help us care for the widow, care for the orphan, care for the poor in the name of Jesus, because we have a calling to the needy in our midst. Okay, life group leaders, core team leaders, if you know of a financial burden in this community, let us know about it because we have a calling to take care of one another. But listen, listen, okay, this is the, the landing here. And sorry, we might go a few minutes late, but are y'all still with me? Are we good? Okay, so check it out. Jesus had multiple opportunities to revoke the practice of tithing in the New Testament and call it old school or Old Testament or whatever else, okay? But he didn't. Actually, he said stuff like this. I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And he said, literally, he said this, if you relax any of God's commandments and teach others to do the same, you will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so, so listen, that brings me 
to this statement and then my favorite rebuke in the whole Bible. Okay, listen, allowing the Lord to keep his 10th is actually a baseline for our giving as the people of God. It is not the ceiling. Okay, it starts at 10%. And I realize that might be a little rattling if you've never given or another, but listen, this is a journey for everybody. And like I said at the beginning, it is simply a matter of trusting God as your provider and obedience to him. Which brings me to my favorite rebuke in the whole Bible. And then Alexander, you're gonna come back up here in a second. So come, come over here and get ready. In Malachi 3, is it weird that I have a favorite rebuke in the Bible? Hey, if you practice the fear of the Lord, then you should love the rebuke of the Lord, okay? We preached on that the last two weeks. If you missed it, you go to our website, okay? And I will say this, 100% full disclosure, there was a reason we preached on the fear of God and holiness and obedience before we preached this message. And I say this in love, if you do not fear the Lord, you will never tithe. Malachi 3 says this, from the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and you've not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord. He's calling them to repent. They go, how shall we return? And he says, will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. They say, how have we robbed you? He says, literally, in your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. He was speaking very literally. Bring the tenth of the land into that room so that my house has food to pay for the Levites. I believe he's speaking that metaphorically. We come to the house of God and we wanna eat the daily bread of God's word, right? We want the storehouses of God's house to be full of bread and food and spiritual nourishment. And yet we leave the storehouse empty because we won't get 10%, we won't get 5%. And so he says, look, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Do, don't miss this, that there may be food in my house and thereby, Put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the window of heavens for you and pour down for you a blessing until, say it with me, there is no more. Bring your blueprint. Generosity. All of our resources are a gift from God. When we hold them loosely and invest them generously, we tap into a what? supernatural economy where there is always enough. All right, Alexandra, come back up here. Back to me role-playing as God that owns everything. And I'm so generous that I gave you 90% of it. And I just asked, is it okay that I keep this last tenth? And you joyfully said, yes. But now I, I want you, I, I'm, I still want this. But for the sake of role-playing, I, I want you to take it from me, even though it is mine, and I'm not giving it to you. Really? Yes. <laughs> what is it called when you take a dollar from somebody that you don't want them, that they don't want you to have? It is called stealing. <laughs> it is called Robbing, you get to keep all 10 because I love you. Okay, give one, <laughs> give one to somebody else. Okay, but look, look, seriously, look, 
not tithing is robbing God. Now, if I had time to get into the 40 verses in Proverbs about generosity, you would see that not going beyond your tithe, not living generously beyond your tithe is robbing you. And that brings me to my story about our 10,000, y'all thought I was gonna forget about it, our $10,000 nest egg. Okay, check it out. I want you to hear the rest of the story. Okay, because this wasn't a tithe. This was generosity. We were already giving 10% to the church. But listen, that school, not only did that school turn the corner and not go bankrupt, they doubled their enrollment the next year. They're thriving. They got over 100 students in the area. This beautiful classical school, we got to be a part of seeding a dream of God's heart. And remember what he said to us? What if you invested in my dreams first and then trusted me with years later? I can tell you, I don't have time to get into the details, but that nest egg that we gave, he has returned to us literally over 10X in the last seven years since we gave that gift. And it's because, because he says, put me to the test and see if I'm not better at taking care of you than you are taking care of yourself. Okay, so here's what we're gonna do. Band, come on up. They're just gonna play for a few minutes. I want you to stay seated. I know I've thrown a lot at you, but look, we told you at the beginning of the blueprint, if you're a part of this house, you're gonna know over this series what we're all about and what we're trying to build in this city. So all I am asking is for the next few minutes, we're not gonna sing. We're actually gonna put our giving instructions up on the screen because look, if you are saying you're with us and you wanna be a part of what God's building here and yet you're not right with the Lord on this front, we wanna give you some space to process, to think, and to even, if the Lord leads, pull out your phone, set up your recurring giving. I know this feel, whoa, is he really asking us to do this right now? Yes, Is it unclear? No. no. It is a matter of obedience. Now look, here's the deal. Here's what I feel like the Lord showed me this morning. If you're not a part of God's covenant community, we would never ask you to give. If you are a part of God's covenant community, we should never have to ask. That was the revelation that they lived in. It just was. So we're gonna take a couple minutes and then we're gonna come back up here and the kids are gonna come in and we're gonna sing a, a fun song. This isn't supposed to be heavy. This is actually, remember, remember, I know this is tender, but it's only tender if we've made our treasure our treasure and not his kingdom our treasure, okay? And I promise you, we've been on this journey. We're not perfect, but I promise you, when you step in obedience, to the word of God on any topic, you will experience incredible breakthrough and blessing in your life, I promise you. It is the promise of word of God. So we're gonna take a few minutes and then I'll get up here and I'll tell you how we're gonna close. This is not a time to sit and feel awkward. This is a time to pray, to process, to ask God, have you called me to be a part of this house? Am I in, Lord? What are you calling me? Am 
my in-laws came into town. I, they, they're here for Thanksgiving from California. They're in the process of moving to Salt Lake City because of the call of God on their lives and they wanna be a part of what God's doing in this city. And he told me yesterday, he had no idea what I was preaching on. And he said, hey, I'll be at church tomorrow and I brought my first tithe check for our new church. And I said, Thomas, you have no idea, man, I'm preaching on tithing, man. So here's the deal, here's the deal. It is a joyful thing. I didn't ask him to tithe to my church so that I could feed his five grandkids. I didn't. His heart fears the Lord, and he's seen over 35 years of their marriage. He told me this. We started tithing about year six, seven. He said, we have gone through lean times. We have gone through abundant times, but in 30 years of giving our first and giving our tenth to the Lord, we have never been in lack, not one time, to this day. So Father, we love you, we trust you, come and have your way.
share this one piece with you guys. As I was seeking the Lord this week and preparing for this, and we've been talking about as our team, as we've been in this season of kind of reestablishing this house in this city. And we said at the very beginning, hey, it's gonna be really clear like what we're building and where we're going. And tonight is really the night where we're like, hey, if you're with us, be with us, you know? If you still need to check things out for a little while, like I said, we would never say, if you're not sure you're supposed to be here, do set something up online, okay? But if this is your family, and this is your covenant community, and this is your house, we need you to be with us. And that really looks like three things. We talk about time, talent, and treasure. That means when you can be here, be here, because it's not the same when you're not here, you know? So talent, you've got a gifting. That's what our empowerment piece is on the blueprint. Like this thing is not about a few people on a stage. It's about the all people being empowered. And then lastly is the treasure. And I want you to just see briefly, this is actually our current finances as a church. I wanna throw this slide up here. We are currently operating, if you can decipher this, at about a $10,000 deficit every month. Maybe it's not quite that much. Maybe it's six, what's it say? 6,500, okay, 6,500 deficit. Now you can see that we have a bunch of money in our savings account. So that was a calculated decision from our oversight team to invest in a season of getting our church healthy. But obviously we can't do that forever, right? Not to mention, we're just starting to pull some of our staff off of support raising and not to mention, we have huge dreams for 2022 and what we feel like God has called us to do in this city. And so if you're a part of this house, I say in total love, like we need you to be all in and put your treasure where your heart is. You know what I'm saying? Because we cannot actually access some of the dreams in God's heart if we're not all in them in this way. You know what I'm saying? But here's the last piece. And then actually your kiddos are about to walk down the aisle. If you had, not the, the toddlers, they're staying over there. Okay, but the two other rooms are coming in and we're gonna sing this last song together because as I was wrapping up this message, I felt like the Lord said to me this week, if I can find my notes, bear with me for a sec. I had it in my hand, okay. I felt like, I, I sense the Lord saying this. We are laying a foundation where it is badly needed. And the work of these days will be built upon for years. And the Lord challenged me. He said, would you believe it if I told you? He said, would you believe it if I told you that what you are building would be built upon for generations? He said, he said, how would that shift things if this whole body believed? Look at me real quick. I know the kids are coming in. How would it shift things if this whole body believed that our work in this city is not just about our temporary lives and our temporary time on earth? How would we live differently? How much more would we give to see this house established if we knew that it would outlast us? As these kids come to the room, I want you to stand with me. Stand with your kids. Listen, I brought them in after I asked you because I'm not trying to manipulate you here, but the Lord spoke this word out of Deuteronomy 7, verse six and nine. Look, look at this. 
You are a people holy to the Lord, set apart to God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples on the face of the earth. Verse nine, know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Say it with me. To a thousand generations, church, this blueprint, this season is not just about 2021 and 2022 in this city. What if we actually believed that we're pouring something into the soil of the city that our kids will inherit? So let's go back into this bridge. Let's sing that we're going to build something together. Kiddos, hey, kids in the room, can you wave at me real quick? I want you guys to sing this song with us as loud as you can, because kids, God is inviting us to build something in this city. And guess what? One day it's going to be here for you and your friends. And what we start, you're going to finish, okay? And what we're building in this city and the encounters that we're having in this city, you're going to inherit everything that we're working for in these days. So let's sing it together. Come on, guys. Let's go. Let's go. Let's lift it up. generations matter. If you're in this generation right here, look, we need your wisdom. We need your guidance. We need your covering. If you're in my generation, okay, we need your strength. Okay. We need your availability. We need your zeal. 
Okay, kids, look, if you're in this sweet little generation right here, okay, hey, we need you to get ready for what we're gonna give you, okay? We need you to get ready because everything that we are pouring into in this city, kids, you're gonna inherit. You are gonna get things easier. Look, this is the nature of generations and inheritance, okay? This is my, this is my father-in-law. This is Arlena's dad. Listen, he worked really hard so that she didn't have to work quite as hard so that she could have it real easy. Look, my daughter is inheriting things at four years old, okay, because it was given spiritually through the generations, all right? And that's how inheritance works. And so here's the deal. Grab a hand, hug somebody. Come on, hold hands. We're just going to finish in a prayer. And then I'm going to tell you one last thing we'll do on the way out. We got some cookies and we're just going to celebrate, okay? But we just say, Lord, come and build your house. Say it with me. Lord, come and build your house. Church, look at me. Psalm 127.1 says, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. I do not want to labor in vain. I want to give my life with the Lord, with him being the chief builder. So say it with me again. Lord, build this house. Lord, build this house. God, we say not to us. Say not to us. But to your name, be the glory. We don't want to build something that man can build. We don't want to build something that got man's name on it. We want to be a, the house where you want to dwell, Lord. So we say, guys, lift your hands with me if you would. Say, Lord, fill this house. Say, Lord, fill this house with your glory. Lord, fill this house with your presence. Lord, fill this house with your anointing. Lord, fill this house. Come. We don't want anything else but you dwelling at the center of this thing, the anointed one. We want to see this city encounter a supernatural God. So, Lord, would you build something that our kids would inherit? We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said amen. Amen. So, hey, look, we got some cookies back there. We hung the blueprint of the wall because, hey, after the blueprint is finished, right, all the engineers come, right? This was a picture, a prophetic picture our team had. The engineers stamp it, right? The architects sign it. So look, go get a cookie. And if you would, if you're just saying, look, I want to be a part of this, would you sign our blueprint back there on that back wall, okay? The Lord gave us this picture, okay, that the, the, the people that get to build it, they signed off on it. If you're in with us, grab a Sharpie, get a cookie, sign it, have a great week, have a happy Thanksgiving. We'll be here next Sunday to kick off our Advent series. So be blessed and we'll see you in seven days. Eat some turkey. Love you guys.